0: what do you do when you've been waiting for something and it seems like forever you're waiting? I mean, that is just a tough one. What do you do when you're anticipating something and you've been looking forward to something, but it's just not here yet? I mean, I think about my own life. You're the same way. When you're kids, you think about Christmas, right? You, somebody was just celebrating their birthday and they're going home to unwrap presents. But when you're 15, you already know what the presents are. You know, let's go back to five or seven when there's this mystery and you're excited about Sunday morning or Christmas morning. You're excited about it and you're doing that. I went, When I was a kid, I would go and I would go into the Christmas tree and i you know, look through the wrapping. We were kind of poor, so my wife, my mom bought like cheap wrapping paper you could see through. And um, she had to learn to double wrap it just because of me and then I'd weigh it and measure it and go to the you know the catalog and figure out what it was and ruin the surprise because um, I had to know or then when I got into high school and I thought man I get to graduate from high school become a fully functioning adult which is what I thought would happen um, not quite and then you know anticipating that anticipating going to college then graduating and going into my first job there are so many moments in our life that we wait for right I mean, some of you are waiting for someone in your life right now to make a significant decision. Maybe a decision of health, a decision of life. It could be a decision to come to Jesus and receive him for eternal life. Some of you are waiting for a come to Jesus moment with someone, right? They need to make a significant wake-up call. And it's hard for us to wait. It's hard for us to anticipate all that stress and anxiety, apprehension as we're waiting for something. I'll show you these pictures. This is uh, 31 years ago. I met my wife. This is our first date, uh, Mary Beth, where we were uh, playing volleyball at a friend's house down in the Bay Area. And uh, this is their college group from Valley Bible Church down in Hercules. And uh, we hung out and then it took five years to convince her. Five years was a long time. And Andrew, how long... How long did you guys date before you got married? Almost five. Almost five years. Good man. Good man. All right. Some of you three-month people, let's talk. Um, you know, slow slowed down a little bit. Uh, five years was a lot, though. Basically, I had to wear out, wear her down. She's tripped. I grabbed her, and we were done. Um, got engaged, six months of engagement. But then anticipating that day where we were married, uh, th- this is uh, interesting because this is at our house, and some of our friends will come over, and they'll often go, Who- who's that guy? cuz I used to wear glasses and she'll say just with no question that's my first husband <laughs> which is true and um and then, you know, getting married and all that journey, and we just celebrated 26 years this last Wednesday. And, you know, but what well, waiting is difficult, right? It's challenging. Uh, it's, it's tough to wait for something you've longed for. Uh, one of my favorite musicians, he's, he's passed away now, uh, Tom Petty, you know, the waiting is the hardest part, right? That's one of my theological moments. The waiting is the hardest part. What would it be like to wait for something that you knew was promised to you, but it wasn't quite there yet? We're all waiting for something, right? Uh, in this day and age we're waiting for Jesus to return we're waiting for things to happen that's that's re- that's natural that's real but what do you do when you're waiting i want to take us back to the very beginning and the first book of the bible The first book of the Bible talks about uh, sin and struggle and judgment, and then God chooses a man to begin his process of redemption. His name is Abraham. And God says, Abraham, even though you're old, you and your wife, Sarah, even though she's barren, you are going to have a child. And he promises not just, you know, a child, but that the whole world would be blessed through him, and there would be land accompanied with that. And Abraham, everywhere you set foot, that's going to be your land, your destiny descendants will forever dwell there that's your land everywhere your sandals walk well if you keep reading the story and you read on and you read on children and children and children they end up in slavery in Egypt as a a result of coming down because of a challenging you know famine they move into Egypt they explode and multiply 400 years go by they're in slavery and God brings a deliverer a savior, as it were, named Moses to rescue them out of bondage, of sin and slavery there. And so then Moses shows up. You've seen the Ten Commandments. You know about the commandments of God. You know about the plagues. You know that. Then they're rescued out of Egypt. And as they come out of Egypt, then God takes them to a mountain, and he delivers his teaching, his heart, his law, his commands, and makes a covenant with them that as far as, you know, it depends on him. They've got some things that depend on them. He's going to be there. God forever he's making an agreement with them and then along the journey they fail and they sin and they don't get to go into the promised land that's the word the promise and then they have to wander for 40 more years and then finally when the Pentateuch Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy the five books of Moses are finished Moses dies and everything is handed to a new leader and they're standing there on the eastern side of the Jordan River the water, and all they need to do is cross over and conquer the land. And this is where we find ourselves today. About 600 years after God's promises to Abraham, they're finally there. And for this generation, 40 years after their parents had sinned and they all died off, now they're finally at the cusp of everything they've been hoping, everything they've been wanting for, everything they've been looking for. Now, the reality is, is that it doesn't go that great for them because they sin again and they subject themselves to slavery. And then the book of Judges shows up, which is next, and they have 400 years more of slavery and suffering. But in the meantime, I want to show you an amazing passage of scripture that's filled with hope, that's filled with promise, that's filled with the reality that if we just put God first and trust him in every area of our life, he will deliver to us what he has promised. Now, if you've been reading with us, we're in the kind of the middle of the book of Joshua and it's a little boring. How about that? I said that. And this is going to go on the website, okay? It's a little repetitive. How many have been reading through us, with us? And there's cities, and there's tribes, and then there's kings, and there's victories. And after a while, your brain just goes to mush because it just sounds like the same. But I want to help you out. There's a simple way to understand the book of Joshua. Joshua. The book of Joshua is one long play divided into three parts, three acts or three chapters. The first one is the invasion of the land. In order to help you so you don't forget this, uh, I want you to do this. Invade the land. Like Everybody go. Come on, Sharon. You're not doing it. There we go. Now you are. Good. Good. Don't hurt someone in front of you, please. Okay. So invading the land. That's the first part. They need to invade the land. Then they need to subject the land. Go like this. Okay. Subject the land. They need to take over the land. And then finally, they need to divide the land. So go like this. Denny didn't do anything. He's a rebel. What are you going to do? That's the book of Joshua. They invade, they subject, and they divide the land. And it's given to all of Abraham's descendants or Jacob's descendants as the 12 tribes. They get all that. But before that happens, they're standing there. And right in front of them is the Jordan River at flood stage and they have to walk across and God promises to stop the water and they go in and they have to take the land. So it's not like just God just gave them a freebie. They had a part to do, right? They had to go in and they had to do battle. They had to go take the land. But God promised that everywhere you go, I will go before you and drive out these inhabitants, okay? So this is where we find ourselves in Joshua chapter one. We're gonna look at verses one to five and then six to nine for today. And so this is what we read. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. Now, this is a huge moment. We've already talked about this. We've read about this. Moses has made it, and he's gotten to the end. He's finished the Pentateuch, the five books. He's done his last sermon, which is Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy. And now he has died, and God has buried him personally. It's a beautiful moment. And then now it's all up to Joshua. Imagine the stress and strain of a new leader, right? A younger leader to take over for Moses. There's never been a prophet like Moses, right, of the Old Testament. Well, in a very real way, Moses is dead, but think about this, every leadership journey has a beginning and has an ending. Every leadership, whatever your job is, you go to college, you go to university, you, you get a degree in something and you begin and you're young and you're excited and you pursue this, even if you stick with that company all the years, which is really rare, and you get the gold watch at the end or whatever that might be, and, and you, you're there, there is a point where it ends, right? I started receiving AARP magazines a couple years ago. Talk about depressing, right? I'm 57, it's like I have 10 years before the government says I can retire. I don't know what that means, but social security, right? Which doesn't sound really secure if you ask me. So it's like everything has an end, right? Some of you are younger, you know, and you're looking way ahead, some of you are old like Denny, and you know, you've know you only got one or two cars left in you, right? Um, And when you finally get the golden car, you're gone. They'll bury you in it, right? Okay, everything has an end. Everything has an end, right? Every leadership moment has an end. And Moses' time was over, and a new one had to begin. And what I think is so important about this for the nation of Israel, but also for Sunrise Church, and I want to share a lot about that in this message Is that we're at a point, we're at a point like this where, you know, it's been an amazing 24 years as your senior pastor, 28 years total being here as a pastor, uh, but, but it's been amazing. But even that leadership has to come to an end and we need to hand it off to a newer, younger leader, someone who will take us into the next season of our life. And that is filled with fear, maybe a little bit of apprehension. I think about it this way, every new generation needs to hand off so that there's a newer generation because what was new to us is now old. Uh, I want to ask a question, I, I know Paulie's here, uh, Mike's here. How many of you were here when I became senior pastor 24 years ago? I'm not going to ask you if you voted for me because I'll just give you grace on that. Okay. How many of you here, raise your hand if you were here 24 years ago when I became senior pastor? Couple, <laughs> Andrew, you were just like a baby, okay? But you were all right. Just a couple of us, right, Nick? There, there weren't that many. But you know, the fact is, is that the rest of you are here because of what God has done between those times, right? And that's a beautiful thing. Most of you don't remember the old location, Rogan Street. Most of you don't remember uh, even. Well, some of you are uh, been around long enough. I was almost going to say old enough, but you, you've been around long enough to remember our first, you know, pastor, Larry. I remember Larry Allen's name being spoken over and over and over and over again. That was by Heather Brown. She couldn't keep quiet. Well, Larry did this and Larry did that and everything like that. And I finally met Larry and I'm like, yeah, he's a dynamic guy, evangelist. In fact, I remember Pastor Kevin and I early on in my ministry, uh, senior pastor, we'd go do man on the street videos and people go, oh, how's Larry doing? Oh, I remember I was going to church there. I got saved under Larry. All this stuff. It was a big name. It's hard to follow that, right? And yet Larry's time came to an end and then Jim, and then Dick, and then myself, and that's just the reality. But you're here today not knowing all that because other people paid those prices and got here this here. And so to us, what's new is actually really old. It's really old. And what will be new is gonna be different. And that's actually a good thing, it's a reality. Moses, uh, it it says this, Joshua, the book of Joshua says this, I promise what I promised to Moses. Moses had received this promise. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you from the Negev wilderness in the south down to the bottom of the desert, the Lebanon mountains in the north, all the way up to Mount Hermon in the north, from the Euphrates River to the east, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. This is a great big land. And they haven't known this. They've been in the desert. Now they've been in the wilderness for 40 years. They've been wandering. It's really tough wilderness, if you've ever seen pictures of it. It's this harsh desert, as we would think of it. But now they're going to go to a lush, fertile location. The Bible describes it a place flowing with milk and honey, all that you've ever imagined, your dream place, where you want to go. And they're here on the cusp of that. And as they walk in, God has promised he will take them. You know, God is interested in the next steps for sunrise. God's not finished with our church. I've sat down and I've had conversations and coffees and meetings and emails and phone calls and things like that with folks. And I know that there is a bit of nervousness, apprehension, a little bit of fear and anxiety. That's normal because we wonder what the future is going to hold. Well, we shouldn't ever worry about that because God's in charge and, and he holds that. What we should think about and consider is what we're supposed to be doing, what's our part in this, which is to walk in faithfulness, to walk in obedience, and God will open up the land that we are to, to take. And, and I, I just wrote this down. Any church that chooses to cling to the past instead of embracing the future is already dead. And I, I get to pastor a lot of churches. I get to meet with a lot of churches and elders and, in the Northwest, and I get to do that now with my job. And I'm telling you, as soon as people are talking more about the past than the future, uh, their church is already dead They just don't know it yet we have, to, we have to thank God for the past We have to bless God and bless the past We got to move to the future And that's a hard one for us J. Oswald, Standard, uh, J. Oswald Sanders wrote in his great book Spiritual Leadership A work originated by God And conducted on spiritual principles Will survive the shock of a change of leadership And indeed will probably thrive better as a result I look forward to that day I look forward to the day when we sit around or you're over at our house and we're talking and, and you say in a moment, just total clarity, man, it's so much better than it used to be. <laughs> I do, I look forward to that day. Man, he preaches so much better than you. He's, he's just, he's a great leader. He'd make better decisions than you. Uh, guess what? I look forward to hearing that because I look forward to saying that. And that's, that's just the reality, right? Every one of us, We'll close the door on aspects of our life and somebody else will get an open door. And that's how life is, friends. And that's how it is in a church, especially a church that's healthy, that's thriving, that's saying we're not going to get stuck in the past. We're not going to start thinking more of a person than of Jesus, right? We're all servants doing our job. So into this, this is what we see. These, These are great words. It says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Now, this is repeated, and he shows up three times in the text. Be strong and courageous. Why do you think God had to say that to Joshua? Right? He's not going to waste his words. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Well, we believe, commentators believe, that Joshua followed Moses, right? That's That's a tough one to fill, right? That's a tough one to walk in, a path. Uh, They're going to go in, they've got to conquer. Joshua has already had military victory, but he's got to lead a nation in to conquer this. There's reasons to be weak and afraid. God says, be strong and courageous. He says, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey All the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you'll be successful in everything you do. Now, when you think about this, I think we have to be reminded to be strong and courageous as we move in because next Sunday, next Sunday, Paul is going to come. He and his wife, Lindsay, are going to be here. I think you're going to fall in love with him. I have. My wife has. And he's going to preach. And you might sit there and go, well, what's that? That's not how James does it. Be strong and very courageous, all right? I listen to the two sermons that are online there on our, on our page. And uh, I've, I've heard them before. I listen to him and I smile. I'm like, oh, that was so much better. I wouldn't do it that way. That was great. Be strong and courageous, Right? Be strong and courageous. And he's going to preach on the 10th. And you're going to come and you're going to have opportunities to meet and greet them. And you're going to get to interact with them. Be strong. Lean into this. Engage with this, Sunrise family. Don't just sit back and go, well, the leader's made a decision. No, no, no. We have led you to this point. Search team has done their work. And now it's your decision to make. And you get to vote on this. This is huge. I understand that. But be strong and very courageous. Put your heart into it. Be in prayer. Be ready for this. Don't let our focus on the past keep us from getting to the future, okay? And then he says this, study the book. Study the Bible as much as the Bible as they had. Study this book of instruction continually. These are the books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Now, uh, you know, we kind of scratch our head and go, well, it's not a book. Well, it's a scroll, okay? And we know the Ten Commandments were on, on tablets of stone, but the whole book wasn't written on stone. That'd be like a whole train necessary to cart that thing around, right? Okay, there would be probably parchments, some animal skins, probably not papyrus, which is what he would have been used to, Moses would have been used to in Egypt, because they probably didn't have a lot of that out in the desert, but some kind of animal skins. Read it, study it, know it, do it, is what God is saying. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. This is an interesting word, meditate. Uh, It's the idea to mutter just to kind of mumble along to keep repeating it mull it over guaranteed the best thing that will help your spiritual growth just prosper and thrive is daily reading and reflecting on god's word you saw it in the baptism video i just decided as an atheist to pick up the bible and read it just like that god started speaking god speaks through his word and so read and reflect on scripture is what God is saying for him and for us. That's the pure way for success, right? Is study the book of the law, read it, understand it, meditate on it, mull it over. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. I hope you have some of the Bible memorized, you're studying it, you're reflecting on it. Maybe you're in the daily walk. Bible reading with us and you're interacting on Facebook, just process it with people. Talk about it. Jewish people, even today, you'll find them when they're praying, they're just they're muttering, they're just talking, they're having this conversation, reciting scripture, it's an ongoing conversation, right? That's how we are to be as people, okay? We're to be constantly overflowing with this conversation of God and his word. This is my command, here it is, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, I would say the same thing to us at sunrise. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Things are going to be different. Things are going to be, you know, kind of like an understanding of, well, what about this or what about that? And we used to do this and, and everything. And, you know, that's true. We used to do it a certain way. But if you're long enough at sunrise, we used to do a lot of things a certain way, right? And things will be different. I love that. I want to say to Pastor Aaron over there, because he just about nodded off. I saw that, buddy. No, Aaron, One of, he. I told this to Aaron. They, they and their worship team, Aaron and the worship team, led um, at a conference for us in Seaside. It was just beautiful. And, and man, with all my heart, Aaron's the best worship pastor I have ever had. Unbelievable. Thank you, Jake, for leading. I love you. But Aaron's the best worship pastor we've ever had. But one day Aaron's gonna pass that guitar. Not a baton, you're gonna pass a guitar off, right? It's just how it is, right? And one day there'll be a season where we all pass the baton of our life off to the next generation. Let's rejoice in what God has given us, but let's anticipate that He wants to do even more. So don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged, but be excited and anticipate what God wants to do. I love this. I'll summarize all this with this little graph right here, this little way of laying it out. Here's a command that God gave, and here's a promise. First of all, he said, be strong and courageous, says that three times. And then he says, I'm gonna be with you be strong and courageous what do you have to fear i'm going to be doing it with you then he says be careful to obey focus on what i've already told you to do do that and i will give all these things to you then he says meditate on my word god's word i will never leave you be careful to actually do it put it into practice i'll never forsake you do not be terrified right you will prosper and succeed don't be discouraged I will be with you wherever you go. And I think we have to think about that as we look at the transition that we're gonna go through in the next couple weeks. Because on the 10th, two Sundays from now, we are gonna make a decision. If you're a member at Sunrise, definitely you get the opportunity to vote. And you will vote upon our next senior pastor. And I hope you're in prayer. I hope you've been prayed up. I hope that you're engaged and you will engage as things go on. Look at the website. Look at the schedule. Start praying about that. Start planning out where you're going to show up, what you're going to do. There are more activities that are there for certain groups. But if you're sitting there and go, what about us? What about me? Let's reach out. Reach out to the search team. Reach out to me. We'll get you connected because we want everybody participating on this process. But then you got to show up and you got to lean into the future and you got to say, okay, God, is this your will? And then make that decision so we can move forward, right? Whichever way you believe God is leading you to make the change. Joshua had victory after victory, success after success. And I believe the same would be true of us as we think about the future. Will we be able to take a step of faith? I wrote some thoughts down and I just kind of want to do more reading of those and reflecting on those with you. I know there's apprehension and there are questions. I already know that because people have been emailing and I've been meeting and, and uh, I, you know, text messages and things like that. I understand that. That is real. That's natural. And, and we ought to embrace that because that's what we're feeling. The question is, what are we going to do with those feelings? When a legacy pastor, that's, that's who I am, anybody that's been like 20 years or more, makes a transition to a new pastor, there's always an opportunity for a struggle. I've had the opportunity the last six months to interview uh, about a half a dozen legacy pastors, pastors that have been there 20 years, 25, 30, 35 years, and the replacement, the young guy that came in and took their spot, and I've interviewed both, and I've asked questions, what would you have done differently looking back now, what would you do, what are some of the best things, what were some of the challenges, and I've written all this down, Uh, I even read a book on this from a pastor in Woodland, California, that followed a 35-year pastor, he's been there now seven or eight years, he did his doctoral work on it, put it in a book, and I've read it. I actually bought a copy for Paul, uh, the guy that's coming next next week, Paul Crandall. And we've been reading it and processing it and just thinking through these things, but I know there's still questions, and those are natural. Please reach out. Let's talk about that. It's an emotional time, right? It's a lot to kind of dig into, a lot to understand. It's okay to have these feelings. I have been blessed to be your senior pastor the last 24 years. I've been blessed to be your senior pastor. Most of you have been incredibly nice to me. <laughs> okay, all of you. You've been a blessing to me. I want you to be that same blessing to the next pastor. And, and my prayer, just be honest, it's Paul, you know, that, that you would be that church to Paul that you've been to me. I can't tell you the number of times I boast about you and about what God's done in and through you to other pastors and talk about it. I want that to be true of the next generation. Um, it's time for me to pass the baton, I'm not leaving. you know. The beauty is I'll get to sit there with my wife, with my arm around her in church. She's so excited about that and not be jumping up and down all the time. you know. And I'll be a part of Sunrise, but not in the same way. You know, I will serve him in that sense because he'll be my pastor. My prayers in a few few years, you're going to just be so thankful that we saw God move and work in our church and even out in the community this way. Some of you have already voiced your fear that this new guy is just going to have a hard time, you know, fitting into my shoes. And I'm telling you, he won't. He can't because he wears 11 and a half and I wear 12. I already checked. I already checked remember when I was moving from youth pastor to senior pastor, that was one of the questions we all met in the old Brownlee Hall over in Rogan Street, and one of the questions was, you know, are you going to be able to fit into Dick's shoes? You know, that's a, that's a nice metaphor. And I said, no, he wears golf shoes. I wear tennis shoes. Uh, Airwalks at the time, right? Skate shoes. And you know what? We're different, and that's a beautiful thing, because I think God's going to use that. Um. Paul and I were talking last night on the phone, and we're just talking about that journey of Elijah to Elisha. So if you know the story, um, Bible story, Elijah, I'll call him the old guy, okay, he's the guy that God used, and, and the Bible records all these miracles, there's prophet Elijah, unbelievable. And the spirit of Elijah is what it says John the Baptist came, just a crazy amount of blessing God uh, worked in him, Elijah. But then, uh, he, you know, he had his ups and downs, and in a moment of down, he's praying and seeking the Lord and wants to die, you know, that kind of thing, after a big victory. And God shows up, and he basically says, hey, here's what you need to do, and you need to go appoint Elisha to take your place. And so he goes down, and he, he throws his mantle, his coat on Elisha, and keeps walking, and it's kind of weird. We're not going to do that. We're not going to throw things at the next guy. Um, but I hope to pass a baton. But um, then Elisha ministers with Elijah and Elisha ministers to Elijah. Elisha's the young guy ministering to the old guy and then the old guy leaves and as the old guy's leaving, Elisha says, here's what I want. I want double. I'm like, well, that sounds a little arrogant, right? I want a double portion. I'm like, wow, that's a lot, right? And guess what? That wish is granted. That ask and request of God is granted because the Bible records double the amount of blessing through Elisha than Elijah. And so, we all have a part. I'll have a part as the old guy. He'll have a part as the new guy. And we will have a part as the congregation that sees God bless. And I, I know that I'm gonna smile as I see the process work out. I know you're gonna smile. I really believe Paul's gonna smile. I believe that if God brings us about this way, you know, God's gonna smile. I think our community's gonna smile. Our city, our county's gonna smile as they see sunrise continue to be that church that makes an impact into the world around us. Um, there's this, uh, I want to just close in a th- for a second, but in a moment, but um, I wanna share this. There's a moment in John chapter three where John the Baptist, who had had this incredible ministry, fiery ministry in the spirit of Elijah, and um, all the people that surrounded him and followed him. And then they're leaving him to go to Jesus. And some of John's disciples are kind of nervous about that. And, and, and John says, that's kind of the whole point. He says, I must decrease. He must increase. That, that's my spirit for the new guy. And But then John says this amazing thing before that. He says, a man can only receive what's been given to him from above. And I got to tell you, I love that. I've, I've thought about that for years now. A man can only receive, a person can only receive, a church can only receive, a pastor can only receive what's been given to him from above. And in as much as we might be able to sit down and talk about plans and dreams and schedule and stuff, that's great. But God has done all this. This is God's church. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's not gonna be Paul's church if we vote on him. It's still God's church. It's about Jesus. And we wanna receive even more of what God would give us so that his kingdom shows up, right? That's our dream. I saw this from Bob Goff this last week. One of our missionaries uh, shared this. She shared, the way we deal with uncertainty says a lot about whether Jesus is ahead of us, leading or behind us, just carrying our stuff. I love that. That was Angelica Ragsdale over in Cote And I thought, I gotta steal that. That's great. It's a Bob Goff quote. The way we deal with uncertainty, which we're going into, right? It says a lot about us, really a lot about where we see Jesus. Is he leading the way or are we trying to lead the way? I pray that we let Jesus lead the way and we follow him. And you know what? We've got a great search team that's done a great amount of work. And we've got a great staff. and We've got a great church. I, you know what? I love being your pastor. It's been the greatest season of my life. Um, but I think when we step out into that next place, we need to be bold And we need to be very courageous. So will you follow what God says in you and through you as we walk in the future? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your words. I thank you for the story and the the imagery of Joshua taking over from Moses and the reality of the potentials for problems and the struggles. But you showed up in even greater ways. And I pray that's true at sunrise. Father, as Paul and Lindsay come over the next couple weeks, may we engage and lean into this, hear from your spirit, move in wisdom, make a decision, Lord, that's really in our hands, it's in our pen to be able to say it, but do so, yield it to what you want moving into the future. We pray in Christ's name, amen.